What's up, guys, and welcome back to another episode of Not Gonna Lie. I'm your host, Jonathan Terry, and I'm happy to be joined again with John Remington. John, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Jonathan. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So first off, before we get started, uh, I want to thank our sponsors, Aaron Visual. And you've got the you've got the phone in front of you. You've got the information. Uh, first things first, Aaron Visual, uh, the fourth cycle of merch is dropping November 1st. So be on the lookout for that. John, what else What else can you tell us about well, it says Aaron Visual? This, it says right here that Aaron Visual, and I want to I want to say that Aaron is a magnificent guy. He's got some great style. He has some great takes. Absolutely. He really knows how to put some ideas together. Mm-hmm. And so this is the cycle four of his merch, as yes. I understand it, and it's cycle dropping. Four. Is that the term you yes, kids dropping. use nowadays? <laughs> it, he yes, is it is dropping, dropping. Uh, November 1st, so 11-1. And he's got some stickers, and they're new. And he says here that they are good. Oh, absolutely! And you can take him at his word for that. Now, what is on these stickers? On these, so it's it's the the Aaron Visual logo. Okay. Is on the stickers, so they can they can be found uh, on on his website here. You can go to AaronVisual.co to purchase these stickers. You can also find more information about them on Instagram, Aaron's Visual. Or Twitter, Aaron underscore Visual. What else can you What else can you tell us about these? these well, it shirts? says here that, that you can talk about how good they are, and he's got some streetwear. He does. So that if you want to be hanging with the crew out on a Thursday night or a Sunday morning, you're going to be hanging really cool with some Aaron. And you may you may be wondering. So, all right, I know where to find this merch, but what about you know? I listen to this podcast. I'm a loyal listener. What do I get out of this for going to the website? And it's fantastic that you asked because listeners of this podcast can put in the code NGL at checkout for free shipping. Absolutely free shipping. So thank you to Aaron Visual. I think this is the longest ad read It's a beautiful done. ad read. It's fantastic. And, it's, and, it, and I couldn't think of a, a better person that we can support than Aaron Leak. Absolutely. Absolutely. You so, done did good, A.A. Ron. <laughs> so we've got a lot to cover today. Some fantastic news. We brought you back on because you are, I mean, I, I think I can say an NBA expert in terms of this podcast. So we've got a lot of things to cover because the NBA season kicks off next week. Boy, howdy. Uh, first things first, we have to start off with the most topical issue, I would say, and that's NBA in China. Mm-hmm. We talked about this issue a lot more in depth uh, two episodes ago. So if you want a breakdown of what's going on, feel free to go check out that, epi- or that episode of the podcast. But LeBron made some comments, uh, and it was after a week. And so in, in so many words, obviously I'm paraphrasing here, LeBron said that Daryl Morey's tweets were misinformed and instantly like that's that's coming from the side of supporting China like just instantly that's the wow LeBron's supporting China because he's got a billion dollars of of investments and revenue and potential income from from that country Uh, he soon later walked it back and said that he was talking about the impact of the tweets that he was misinformed what kind of look does this give LeBron even though he somewhat walked back his statements I think LeBron needed to take a lot more time to which which is shocking because he had two weeks to have clutch and all of his people fashion a specific statement mm-hmm. what this reveals is not just with what's happening with LeBron but with the NBA in total and that is when we're dealing with business you we need to take a far stronger look on who we're doing business with mm-hmm. and you and I had talked about off off the microphone we had talked about how there is they there's this nexus between business politics even religion in American culture. And that nexus has be, has grown considerably. And I think the, the crisis with, I don't know if it's a crisis yet, but mm-hmm. it has become a it's, crisis it's coming towards via, you know, via Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and that is the we have to really consider when we enter into business with a human being um, or with a, uh, with a corporation or with a government, who are we truly getting in bed with? And what are the lasting consequences besides the income that that generates or the eyeballs that that generates? What actually, are we truly making a deal with the devil? Mm-hmm. And the other thing that's fascinating about the, uh, about the reaction to the whole China gate, for lack of a better term, mm-hmm. is it highlights how people are so instant to reply via Twitter, and they feel empowered through podcasts, through Instagram or whatever, Facebook, with their own hot takes, as opposed to truly taking some time, a week or two, to let it simmer, to let it percolate, and to, and to understand that this is a nuanced situation. There is not a black, there is not a white, there's not a right, there's not a wrong, as much as we would like to think there is. Um, I do think what it does reveal, though, is LeBron is thinking about his years beyond the court Mm -hmm. and where he's going to go once he hangs up the shoes and he has been that's we've we've talked about uh, and everyone has talked about how LeBron's move to LA is not a basketball move that is an industry move and the industry is LeBron and um, like as you said earlier he is investing in China in a big way yeah I definitely do agree with you uh, the need for instant news, instant gratification has led a lot of people to make that Twitter response, make that that episode, that hot take, just to get their voice out there mm-hmm. while it's topical, as opposed to waiting it out and really seeing what's going on. I was listening to First Take this morning, and I think it was Stephen A. made a good point when he was saying that, uh, you know, if they're questioning the ethics and morals of a country that every team, or that every country that the NBA does a deal with, so let's say they go to India, like, are they going to start to question mm-hmm. the politics of India and that sort of thing? I mean, he was saying that in a way to back up what LeBron said and a way to back up what the NBA is doing. But I think what you're saying has a lot of weight. Like, what what are the ramifications? And if we do believe in these certain values that the NBA really has tried to uphold, that we really need to take a look at who they are going, in, you know, like you said, getting into bed with, doing a deal with. Because LeBron has, you know, tweeted out, Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice anywhere. Right. And that's, he's essentially not speaking out on this because in his words, he said that that he would rather let other people speak on it than himself. But who better than LeBron to talk about this? I mean, he's got the entire world uh, watching him. Or, I mean, he's faced with two choices, really. Either make a statement and, you know, and do what's right. Because, you know, like he knows what the right answer is. He knows what the correct and moral response would be. He chose not to make it or that problem or the the problem is just don't make a comment at all don't say anything exactly and, and, and i can't remember who said the quote but somebody said i am um i'm a basketball coach maybe it was um who's the coach of the rockets his name uh, oh uh mike D'Antoni. mike dan tony said i'm a i think it was he who said um i i'm a basketball coach i am not a diplomat and i think that that was a nice way to skirt around that issue mm-hmm. um I do not think Moray was in, misinformed, though. He may have been misinformed about what the, the consequences yes, would absolutely. be of, mm-hmm. of the statement. Um, but yet, I think him coming out in favor of the pro-democracy students marching in the streets of Hong Kong was, I think, well said. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we and I think Twitter and all of this uh, new media has over-democratized uh, our takes and it has made us all feel like we're experts mm-hmm. and we're not thinking about the consequences of our words and our words do have impact. Yeah, I mean, when it comes down to it, this is a multi-billion dollar company that's making a deal with, with a country that has 
that many resources to help them grow and expand, which is what they want to do. I mean, at the end of the day, like we talked about it uh, last week or two weeks ago, we can say all we want to about, oh, I do this, I do that. Well, we don't have $4 billion on the line. Like all, <laughs> no. we have, all we have is Twitter and an opinion, you know? So when we really think about it and it really comes down to it, what are we gonna do? I, I wouldn't know. That's a tough situation to be in regardless. Uh, I, I think what they were hoping is that this would never become an issue and they would just be able to ignore it. And if Daryl Morey hadn't said anything, they're fine. The people of China are fine, uh, but it's still no excuse. I mean, th there are things happening over there that are important and need to be made aware of. And whether it was Daryl Morey's intention or not to kind of start a media firestorm, he brought attention to a lot of things. A lot of people are protesting at NBA games, and there's a lot more information out there to a specific fan base that may otherwise not know really what's going on over in China. And, and exactly. And for anybody who's ever traveled overseas, one of the rules number one is in, you have to observe the laws and the mores, pun fully intended, <laughs> of the country that you visit. And you, you are a guest. Mm -hmm. And we as Americans, we live under the luxury of, we have that luxury of freedom of speech. And so we think that that transfers to any other country that we that we visit and no it does not mm -hmm. and we are we, we feel empowered to say what we want and, and and to get away with it and we can also feel empowered because of the luxury of peace that we we enjoy relative peace that we enjoy in our country we feel we can say whatever we want when we visit somewhere else and we cannot um, and we feel that we can criticize other countries immediately well no mm -hmm. um, for us as opposed to a citizen in China, their lives are at stake. They say the wrong thing and they disappear. Mm -hmm. um, in America, hopefully th that's not the case, not yet at least. <laughs> do you think, just closing in on this, do you think that we have, as Americans have taken our freedom of speech for granted? Yes. Because obviously there's a difference between you know saying something because you can and saying something because you should. Right. Do you want to talk on that just a little bit about our freedom of speech? Our freedom of speech, um, does not remove consequence mm -hmm. and we can say whatever we want but that does not enable us to avoid the effect that our words have one of the great lies that has been foistered upon us since childhood is sticks and stones can break our bones but words can never hurt us mm -hmm. that is not true words last literally forever and bones can heal and the scars from words cannot um, now, on one hand, maybe this can start a revolution, but that's easy for us to, because this is not a spectator sport. Yeah. Democracy is not a spectator sport. It is a uh, participatory thing. And so um, our lights just went off, and Jonathan is walking off microphone um, to get our lights back on. Um, we have to take far more, I think, time. to, And I like what you said there, Jonathan, what we should say, mm. not what we can. Yeah, I, obviously... This has been about two weeks since the initial tweet was sent out on October 4, but this is an issue that we likely won't be hearing the end of for a while. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see what'll happen. I mean, we've seen uh, senators speak out on this issue, sending a letter to the NBA. That, uh, a know, bipartisan letter. Bipartisan when letter. you have Ron Wyden and AOC signing a letter alongside Ben Sass and Ted Cruz, that is an amazing piece. Yeah. yeah. Um, the other thing too, as we close it out, I. I think there's so many eyes that want NBA 
in China that even if there was some, I, I don't know what the consequences would be. I don't think China can ban the NBA. Mm -hmm. They might stop the teams from visiting, but there will be there'll be some way that people will access the content. Yeah. So uh, yeah, you mentioned it when we were emailing back and forth that this could essentially lead to uh, somewhat of a, a revolution because so many people really do enjoy the NBA. More people watch the mm -hmm. NBA in China than they do in America, which is crazy to think, but. We got a lot to cover still. Yeah, we do. <laughs> uh, so let's go ahead and jump right into it. So this offseason is probably one of the busiest of all time. I, there, was, there were enough moves that were made, enough players switched teams, and some sort of balance was almost restored to the NBA that it's nice. It's, an, it's enjoyable, and it's going to be a lot of fun to watch because there are legit maybe 10 NBA teams that could win the title. I mean, granted, eight of them are in the West, but there are ten <laughs> the best teams, coast. Yeah, that you could make an argument for that could win the title. So first off, I want to talk about duos. So who is your favorite duo to watch, and who is the best duo you think for this upcoming season? I'm not going to to pick the obvious ones because we haven't seen them play yet. Mm. We haven't seen so. I think the best duo in the NBA when healthy is Klay Thompson and Steph Curry. I know that okay. that seems the obvious choice. Mm -hmm. They have such a complementary piece. Um, they really are able to feed off of each other incredibly effectively. So they're the best duo. Mm -hmm. The next, the second best duo. Now this is going to be a trio. Okay. 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 That's fine. But the the that next works. best combination is Jokic, Harris and Jamal Murray okay, I like um, because, and that's going to be my hot take, um, because the true playmaker there is Jokic. Yeah. And when they do those back screens and they run all those off-ball plays, Jokic has a way to find Harris and, and to find Murray. And as long as Murray and Harris are hitting, um, then that becomes extremely, uh, extremely effective, and nobody can stop Jokic. Mm -hmm. Then once he passes off, if he then goes down on the block or in, into his mid-range, he's unstoppable. I haven't seen anybody in this league be able to stop him. Of course, Jokic can't stop anybody, but um, he's not a great two-way player, but he is probably my favorite offensive all-around offensive player because he plays that team sport. Yeah. What about you? Who I, I wouldn't think that an oversized seven-foot center, like there was a place for him in the NBA still, but obviously his playmaking is unmatched. He's, unmatched. he's one of the best three-point shooters on the Nuggets. Uh, which is just crazy to think because he's – you take away defense, he's their best all-around offensive player. And here's an oversized seven-foot guy who averages a triple-double mm. yeah. I mean, in the playoffs. Yeah. Now, is that going to be sustainable throughout the, the regular season? Who knows? Yeah. But in the playoffs is where that counts. And if they can loan manage him, because I, I do have a concern about his size and about the wear and tear over the season, it, will that tear his body down? Um, he's still young yet, but that old age catches up really quick to big guys. Mm. But if he can keep that up – that is a, I know that's not a duo, that's a trio, yeah. I'm cheating. But it, it works, it works, yeah. yeah. So my favorite my favorite duo probably has to be uh, LeBron and AD, just because I'm so excited. But they haven't played yet. I, well, I know, I understand that, but, <laughs> but LeBron said this offseason that they're going to run the offense through AD, which is special. I mean, you could say that LeBron's getting older and he's trying to save himself by letting the offense run through AD. But on the other hand, I still think LeBron is ready to go. I think he's still at mm -hmm. that same level. We, you know, He may hit a hard cliff, but I don't really foresee that happening this year. But the reason he says that about AD is because think about it in his career. He's played with D. Wade, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Love. Chris Bosh. Chris Bosh. You know, star after star. He's never said that once about 
any of those guys. He never said we want to run the offense through them. It's Anthony Davis, and now, there's and there's good reason for that. And to build on your point, uh, Bill Simmons, who is one of my idols, said he said, "Watch this. the The big movement this year is." is the big campaign is that LeBron is going to push for AD as the MVP. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and it it happens like that. So he's immediately yeah, he's starting, immediately he's campaigning right for away. it. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And then my second duo which uh, I think is a very underrated duo but they shouldn't be. And I think you're going to like this one. It's Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. Because there's so many new duos in the NBA and like you said we haven't seen them play. We don't know how they'll play together. Just thinking about it, I can't think of two players that are both talented and have the same chemistry because you mentioned Klay Thompson, Steph Curry. Klay Thompson's out until at mm-hmm. least the All-Star break, which is a big chunk of the season. Uh, Dame and CJ have been playing together for a number of years. They've got the chemistry, and you wouldn't think that two six-two guards could really play well together, but they do, right? And they, they've got Hassan Whiteside. They've got a big, uh, along with Yusuf Nurkic. But I'm just excited to see what they can do because really – in a in a in a season where there's going to be a lot of chemistry problems with a lot of teams, this may be their last best chance. Essentially, if they, I mean, you can make the argument that they need to break up the team, but I say you give it, you know, this year, maybe even next year, they have a chance to to go back to the Western Conference Finals, maybe even the NBA Finals. I'm not saying they will, mm-hmm. but there are still a lot of questions on other teams that need to be answered that the Blazers seem to have all figured out. Very good. And and what one of the things I love about Dame and CJ is we saw that in the playoffs where CJ where Damian was willing to give the ball to CJ when he was hot, certainly mm-hmm. in that Denver series. I'll tell you another duo that I want to watch. Okay. And that is Durant, uh, Darian Fox and Buddy Heald okay. on Sacramento. Yeah. Watch that duo. I yeah, think that I think it's a in, good combo. in about 2 years if they can stay together they complement each other really nice. They can both bust three. They are both two-way players, mm. and they are both hustles. And so they're both leaders. I think if they can be co-alphas, they're going to make the the Sacramento Kings grow. We're going to see the Sacramento Kings in about three years. They're going to be like the Sacramento Kings were in the early 2000s. Yeah. Well, one of the issues with Buddy Heald coming out of college was his age. Yeah. And he only had a limited window to make that transition from the – from college to the NBA. And it seems like now, especially last year, he was making that transition. And De'Aaron Fox is one of the most exciting, quick point guards, young and he point guards sucks we have in the league. Everybody, when he drives into that key, he sucks everything out. And if he just kicks it to Buddy Heald, mm-hmm. it's gonna be that's gonna be great. Absolutely. Okay, so like we said, a lot of moves. I want you to give me the best move in each conference. So one for the East, one for the West. Uh, best move in the West, I, it, I'm i going to have to go with the obvious, and that's the Clippers picking up Paul George and, and uh, Kawhi Leonard, mm-hmm. providing they stay healthy. Um, but that was by far and away the best. I'm going to say in the East, this is going to seem, seem odd. It's going to be a chemistry, and, it's, and you might like this one, but I really like the pickup of Kemba Walker and Ennis Cantor for mm-hmm. Boston. Um, I really think that Kemba Walker is going to be a, such a great fit for Boston with their excellent wings. Mm-hmm. Now, they have a plethora of wings, and they can end up unloading one of those guys to flip for maybe a stronger big guy or maybe a better four. Um, but with Tatum, Brown, and Kemba, that I think you're going to be really happy with your Boston Celtics this year. Mm-hmm. So, I, I do want to talk about them a little bit later. Yeah, uh, Definitely a lot to unpack there for <laughs> sure, so I want to save that. Uh, but What's your Eastern? So my Eastern Conference – is a little. It's a bit of a sad one for me. I, I alluded to it before, but it's Al Horford going to the 76ers. Oh yes. Statistically, 
the only guy that could stop Giannis and Joel Embiid was Al Horford. And now the Sixers not only got that guy to stop Giannis, but they kept him from guarding Joel Embiid. Correct. I'm disappointed because I know there there was a way, there was rumors spreading about that there was a way we were going to get Kemba and Al Horford, which would have been absolutely fantastic. I'm sad that Al Horford left. I'm sad that he decided to join the 76ers of all teams. Uh, very disappointing. But I think this makes them legit title threats, which we'll touch on that more later. Yes. In the West, I mean – I think the Paul George, the Paul George and uh, Kawhi Leonard signings are for sure the best move. Like I just want to get that out of the way. One that I think people should be talking about is the Jazz picking up Mike Conley. Oh, thank you. They thank you. Good they take. They were they were struggling a bit because you know you have Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. Those are the two pieces with a bunch of surrounding cast. But I think they did a fantastic job getting a guy who can still play, who can distribute the ball. And really kept them alive because I don't think they they would be in the playoffs. I have them making the playoffs in my predictions. I don't think they make the playoffs without Mike Conley because well, they're just and, not enough. And also remember they picked up uh, Bogdanovich. Yes, Bogdanovich as well. They, yeah. they did. A, they had an underrated offseason, I would say, as far as keeping pieces to because they they kept their core together and they added really good guys that they could be a surprise team. I don't know how it's going to pan out, but they, I mean, in the West, going forty eight and thirty four is like an eight seed. Yep. You know, so it's it's going to be difficult to see what will happen there. Uh, but let's keep it moving. Let's go uh, award candidates. I want to talk about this for sure. Uh, give me your MVP. Ooh, I'm going to have to go with AD. Okay. It's provided he's. St- uh, it's going to be either AD or Kawhi, mm-hmm. uh, d- based upon the breaks, based upon all of those intangibles. But I definitely see it that way. Possibly Giannis would would be the third. Mm-hmm. I do not see James Harden. In the in the mix. Okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll definitely talk on yeah. James Harden and Russell Westbrook a little bit more later. Uh, this one's a tough one because I do agree. If they're going to be running the offense through AD in LA, that's a dangerous team because who else is really going to score? I mean, you've got LeBron, AD, Kuzma, and that's pretty much it for the offensive offensive side of the ball. I could see a world where Kawhi or Paul George wins it. Uh, I, I really don't know, but I will say this is my one hot take which people have been starting to say, so I'm going to get on the jump on this early because <laughs> I've had this belief for about a month and a half, two months now. Uh, Steph Curry will be an MVP finalist. Oh, yes. I'm not okay, going to say he'll one. win it, but the fact that it's him and D'Lo just shooting threes because Steph had to defer a lot to Kevin Durant this year or last year in the last few years, but this is going to be Steve Kerr saying, you know what, Steph, the floor is yours. Shoot 15 threes a night if you want to. And with that volume... I think we may see a small dip in percentages, but we're going to see a big jump in numbers. You've convinced me. You've convinced me. I think <laughs> Steph Curry, it's going to be between AD and Steph Curry. Mm-hmm. Yep. I just think because, take. because you need you need to be at least top five. And in the West, they're going to get more, they're going to be more lenient. So if you're top, you basically if you make the playoffs, it's gonna, you're going to have a good record because it's good record and team success. And I think they're going to have both for Golden State. I don't, I don't know if he's going to win it, uh, but maybe for the sake of just – of, of just getting the hot take out there, I'll say it. Steph Curry will win MVP this year. He's going to put up some some sick numbers. Yes, I absolutely. guarantee it. There's going to be there's going to be games where he hits 15 threes. Yep, for sure. Because there there were nights where he was hot a few years ago, but they still had a lot of guys to spread the ball to. But with Clay gone, I mean, D'Lo is going to be happy because it's going to be all the defenses on Steph, and he's gonna he's gonna have a really good year. I mean, he already had a, a breakout year last year, but but this year especially. Yep. Uh, let's talk Coach of the Year. Who do you have for Coach of the Year this year? I'm going to go with Mike Malone. 
Okay. I think Mike Malone's going to pull Denver. Uh, well, we'll get to Denver a little bit later, but I'm pretty. I'm. I'm. Gonna, I'm selling a lot of. I'm selling a lot of. No, I'm not selling. Yeah, I'm selling Denver stock. <laughs> Mike Malone's going to lead Denver possibly to the NBA Finals. Really? Yeah. That's there we my, go. That's my take. That's a hot take. Spoiler for sure. alert. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm. I'm excited to hear more about it later. Uh, I think. I think there's a potential. There's a, a world, a dimension where. Brad Stevens wins coach of the year just because right now everyone's kind of given up and I don't want to talk about it too much because like I said a lot to unpack there but he has a chance to prove why everyone was regarding him as one of the best coaches two Mm -hmm. years ago there's obviously a lot of chemistry issues honestly an overabundance of talent last year that really made it difficult for him to coach and so this year you're getting down to a core group of solid guys you know still seven eight guys that can be difference makers on the team but it's going to come down to his mastery of rotation, of getting players, you know, in line and really drawing up plays, which is what he's best at. You know, statistically, there's I think there's some stat I keep hearing where it's like <laughs> points made after a timeout. Celtics lead the league with like 1.5 points after a timeout or something like I don't know. I don't know. Now what has it is. Brad Stevens actually started shaving yet? Is he old enough to shave? I think so. He's okay. getting to that point, okay, which is good. why which is why he's got my coach of the year vote because he's made he's made that move to shaving. Awesome sauce. I mean, there's there's a lot of other awards, but I think there's only one really that we we should be talking about. And that's rookie of the year. The rest of them, I mean, no offense to six man, but I'm sure Lou Will's going to win that one. Defensive player of the year, it's going to be like Rudy Gobert again, or or even Gian- Giannis. maybe Giannis, yeah, yeah, maybe Giannis, and or Embiid possibly. Yeah. I guess we could talk improved player, but let's talk rookie of the year first, and then we'll go improved player. I'm sorry, it's too obvious. I think they've already shipped it in. They've already printed it and it's ready to go, and that's Zion. Mm -hmm. Uh, The NBA is marketing Zion already as Rookie of the Year. Um, And so give me a hot take. Who who beyond Zion is winning Rookie of the Year? I think there is a chance just because of of potential and and offense and style that R.J. Barrett or John Morant could win Rookie of the Year because Zion Williamson is on a team that hosts Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, Drew Holiday, Derek Favors. Those are five guys that he's going to have to compete for minutes and and shots with percentage-wise. Uh, you know, because there are nights where he's going to go 12 of 13 and all 12 dunks, right? Mm-hmm. There's there's no doubt he's going to do that. But eventually, teams are going to figure out a way to stop him. That's just the way the league works. No one is completely unstoppable. No. You know, and, and so that's why you look at the Grizzlies team. They've got Triple J. Who else do they have? John Morant's in the prime the prime place to you know he may lead in usage but he's gonna he's gonna you know score there's gonna be games where he scores 35 with 15 assists but i'm gonna have to tell you i'm gonna have to go conspiracy theory on on this john okay. morant's not on tv as much as zion Rip williamson that is the true. fact that zion williamson is on tv he is selling the tickets the eyeballs are on him John, I like the take of John Morant. Mm. I also like Brandon Clark, I think, as a mm. really mm-hmm. dark horse yeah. for folks to watch. Of course, that's a little bit of uh, Regency yeah. bias mm-hmm. there because I, I want to go with the zag. Um, I like that take, but Zion is already done, and the NBA wants it. Now, if he goes down with an injury. Yeah, that, that is a good point. But I think just because of John Morant's like, path to the NBA and what he's been able to do, like he's able to make – you turn your head with his play like he doesn't need the big marketing campaign like he doesn't need the ad slogan he doesn't need all, all of whatever we could argue neither does zion that's that's a good point that's a good point but 
just because John Morant doesn't have it doesn't mean he he's not a good you know he's not. Oh no, I'm not saying he's oh, not. Yeah, but he's not going to win it because mm-hmm. he's not. He doesn't have the marketing behind him. I you think, have to have the marketing behind you. Now, Damian Lillard is the you know you you might counter with at me with the Damian Lillard one, but he was mm-hmm. the by far and away the best rookie of the year that year, even mm-hmm. though he was in a small market. Yeah, I, I think there will be opportunity uh, for for uh, for John Morant to just have more shots, more playing time, more opportunities to wow us, I guess, just because the Pelicans are a very deep team. And, you know, Zion's going to start. He's going to play 40 minutes a game for the Pelicans. But, I mean, also J.J. Redick, too. Like, there's a lot of guys that are going to need the ball because there's no point in giving it to Zion every time if, you know, he's not winning games. Because they have, they have a good team. I, they're, they're, I don't want to spoil the, <laughs> the playoff list, but – very, they're very talented they are team. Very talented. I'll be young. Okay, so let's do just last last one here. Uh, most improved player. Who you got? I okay. I'm gonna have to go with possibly Zach Collins. Okay. Yep. Okay. I'm gonna have to go with Zach right, Collins. Okay. Now that's just me being a Blazer fan. Mm-hmm. It's me being totally biased. I have nothing on which to base that other than he's going to get a lot of minutes, and from what he showed in the uh, playoffs his ability to go on both ends of the court. Um, I think he could very potentially average a, uh, he should average double figures, Mm. and he probably about seven boards. And he's going to be a key part of, if the Blazers are going to have any success at all, it's going to be him. So mine kind of has, it goes similar with the John Morant take for Rookie of the Year. Uh, Mine is Terry Rozier. Beautiful. Because let me just read you the starting lineup he's playing with. (laughs) Nicholas Batum, Miles Bridges, Dwayne Bacon, and Cody Zeller. I can't like they're, they're How could be, he not? Yeah, right? how could he not? Like he's gonna see an improvement just because he's the number one guy, and I think he's a talented player. He's really, uh, he's a he's a two way player for sure. Mm-hmm. I, I could say better defensively than offensively, uh, and we know what he's capable of. Now, whether or not he actually you know lives up to that expectation is yet to be seen. But he's going to see a bump. I don't know if that will lead to him being most improved player of the year because the Hornets are going to be the worst team in the league next year. By far and away. By far. There's no – Terry Rozier is good, but he's not. Like, I don't, LeBron may not even be able to get this team to the playoffs. Like, you look, you compare when he was on the Cavs in previous years, this team is far worse than any, than any team we've really seen. I mean, the only equivalent is the Miami Dolphins this year. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's a good comparison. Good comp. Good so comp. let's let's keep it moving here. Uh, oh, here we are. We've actually made it. We're, it's time for our playoff predictions. So here's what we're going to do. So we're going to go team by team. So, John, go ahead and start. Give me your number one seed, and then I'll say where I have them uh, in the ranking, and then we'll talk about them. And now, now we're going to go Eastern Conference first, Eastern right? Eastern Conference first, yes. All right. Start in the East. So coming out of the this is going to be the seedings okay okay and so when the regular season ends playoffs begin Philadelphia will be number one okay all right uh, I've, I've got I've got the sixers at two okay so, okay oh uh, yes yeah, just go go ahead and go all down right your, go so I'm gonna go Philadelphia list. at one Milwaukee at two and that can flip yeah that can flip absolutely um, Boston is going to be number three Toronto is going to be number four okay Brooklyn is going to be number five. Indiana is going to be number six. Miami will be number seven. Tyler Hero. Okay. I'm really going to be watching Tyler Hero. By the way, Tyler Hero is also a dark horse for Rookie of the Year. I would agree. I would agree. I was disappointed when the the Celtics picked him 
or no, I'm trying to remember what happened. We had a chance to get Tyler Hero, didn't get him. I think we traded our draft pick to right. the Heat, and they selected him. They selected him. I was disappointed. On and that here's my semi-hot take. Number eight will be Detroit. Okay. Detroit. And then with the possibility of Orlando and Atlanta possibly getting in, um, and they could replace Miami or Detroit. Okay, so I'll go through my list. There's one team I'm surprised you didn't add on here. All right. Uh, but everything else looks sem- similarly close to what I've got. So number one is the Bucks. Number two is the 76ers. Three is Celtics. So we just flipped the one yeah, and two. Yeah. Uh, four, I have Pacers. Five, Raptors. Six, Nets. Seven, Pistons. And then eight, I wrestled with this one for a while. But eight, I'm going with the Chicago Bulls which you did not even have in your honorable mentions. Nope, not even the honorable surprised mention. for. No. My honorable mentions are, like you mentioned, the Heat, the Magic, and the Hawks. So let's go ahead and start from the top. Let's go number one um, on your list. Let's talk 76ers. So I already mentioned they had one of the best offseason signings from the East, in my opinion, in signing Al Horford. Obviously, a lot of bias because I have a lot of love for Al Horford. But tell me what you like about the 76ers. What I love is there's this potential combination. Uh, their front court combination could potentially throw it do a complete throwback to the 1980s mm-hmm. I mean you've got possibly we haven't had a great front court since the Celtics since the parish bird McHale mm-hmm. and we have a we have a revisit of that I don't see anybody being able to score on that now the one problem I have with Philadelphia is Ben Simmons does not have an outside shot there is rumors that he hit a three-pointer in preseason he did yeah Okay. There, there's video. Yeah. There, there's, there's video. Proof. We got there's a Zapruderville yes. film on that. But okay. it was disclaimer. It wasn't against an NBA team. Uh, and right. He he was wide open. And they were. Guarded. I think they were daring him from the bench. Yes. Okay. Yes. So um, I like Philadelphia. The one player who, and I also picked not only the the top teams, but I also picked the player who I think is going to surprise us, and that is Zaire Smith. Okay. I think if I'm not saying he's going to be an all-star, mm-hmm. I'm not even going to say he's going to be a consistent starter, but I am going to say because of his point guard play, um, if he can run the sets, Ben Simmons is wonderful at running down the hill, running downhill, doing the full court and pushing the pace. But I think if we can, if they can have a decent half court field general, I think Zaire Smith potentially can be that distributor. So the one reason I didn't have the 76ers as my number one team is because they went through a lot of a lot of shakeup, obviously. Mm-hmm. So they lost Jimmy Butler, signed Al Horford. I think they lost T.J. McConnell as well. Mm-hmm. Um, he's out. So there's and J.J. Redick. And J.J. Redick, yeah. So there was a lot of moving parts here, and it's it's a different look. I mean, it's the same stars are in place, but the supporting cast is different, and I think that's going to take a little time. And there's time. questions about the coaching ability. Yes, and the question still remains. They did not do anything. In fact, they got worse at three-point shooting. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you can look to Ben Simmons as a reliable three-point shooter or jo- uh, Joel Embiid, uh, you know, or even even Tobias Harris. I mean, he's consistent, but he's not going to be that steady stream that you need in the NBA now to spread the floor, right? And so I think the player to watch, I mentioned Al Horford. I think he's going to be the difference maker. If he is the guy who can just make the right plays. There was, I mean, the Celtics were full of guys that just make the right plays, whether it's getting a rebound, making that extra pass, hitting an open shot, whatever it was. Uh, this He's going to be an integral pre- piece to the team, and he's the reason why I have them going to the playoffs. But there's still a lot of concerns that I have that's why I don't have them as the number one seed in the East. So i got to ask you this question, totally unrelated, but related to Al Horford. Okay. I just had this 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 vision in my head. Al Horford and Draymond Green. Mm. 
they are both the, like the ultimate glue guys. Yes. Now, Al Horford is a little more internal. He's not as extroverted as Draymond Green. He's not quite the, the um, obvious fire. Mm-hmm. But I just thought, could you imagine a team? Could they actually, in, a, in the perfect world, could they exist on a team together? I think so. I mean, I think there's a lot. There's just room for it. I'd want that. I I would I would love that. Now that you mention that, I mean it's it's the perfect comparison. Like not a solid three point shooter, but can hit threes. Mm-hmm. Uh, a great passer, fantastic defender. Can, can stop defend anybody. one. They can defend one through five. Yes, absolutely. Cause, yeah, I can, I would love to see a team like you. You put them with you know a good supporting cast. Like they'll make they'll make the playoffs. Oh yeah. I don't know how deep they would go, but that would be a fun team to watch. And they're team players. Absolutely. Absolutely. They are both. They are twins. Yeah, I mean, because you can take, let's see, let's think about five guys that are just like from every position that are glue guys I can think of. So we'd have Al Horford at the center, Draymond Green at power forward. Uh, Mike Conley at the point. Mike Conley playing point. That's a fantastic one. Uh, Joe Ingles. Joe Ingles. Coming off the bench. Yes, Joe Ingles, Joe Ingles as the sixth man. Uh, I'm trying to think who else do we have out there. I mean, really, like a Paul George. Oh, yeah. A Paul George or Kawhi Leonard type of situation. And then shooting guard clay thompson why not he's a fantastic he's two-way an player incredible two-way player he's an incredible glue Unself- guy too. unselfish and you got and good in the locker room you mm-hmm. got to have a exactly. decent locker room guy like I, I mean yeah they yeah there's that's a that's a good team i mean and that, those are non-problem guys right i mean because the only reason they're speaking out is because they want to win because right. they love their team not for any selfish and draymond motivation. has grown up so much in the last last season he went for he got to shave finally mm-hmm. yeah i mean he I don't know how many tech he had, what half the technicals last year yeah. that he did the year before. I like that saying though. I'm gonna have to hold on to that one. He he gets to shave. We're yeah. talking about the maturation <laughs> of a player. Okay, let's talk about the team I had at two, or the team I had at one. You had it two, the Bucks. Obviously, the Bucks lost uh, Malcolm Brogdon mm-hmm. this year, so that's gonna be a big miss for them. But they've still got Chris Middleton, Brooke Lopez, and uh, Eric Bledsoe to surround with Giannis Antetokounmpo. So what are, you, what are you thinking with the Bucks this year? Okay, my problem is I think the Malcolm Brogdon subtraction is going to really hurt them. Mm-hmm. And so what I'm looking for is uh, one of their reserve point guards. Is, he's a third-year player named Frank Mason III. Okay. Now, he has his stats are not they're, – they're developing, mm-hmm. okay? Um, but they're going to need somebody to step into that position. I looked at his uh, usage rates and his uh, efficiency, and it's actually moving in a positive direction. So the reason, that's why I bumped them down. Now that seems, I see both Philadelphia and Milwaukee having the same issue. Mm. They have really strong front courts and pretty weak back courts. Yeah. Um, and I just give Philadelphia that little bit of bump. Uh, there's no way that Brooke Lopez can stop Joel Embiid. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, because their best defender, especially for bigs, is Giannis. And Giannis, you know, is busy carrying the team offensively and as you said earlier Horford is a Giannis stopper mm-hmm, absolutely and that's the thing is Giannis has so much to grow which is why I put them at the one just because I feel like he's just unleashed mm-hmm. a portion of his potential because uh, you know he didn't you know he started playing the game at a late age <laughs> he hasn't developed a three-point shot but he's so long he's so quick he's nearly impossible to guard and I I mean he, there's a chance he wins MVP again. Plus, he's got his brother on the team yes, as well. So absolutely. that's going to help. So that's, that's a fantastic piece. The guy I'm looking out for, uh, Dante DiVincenzo. So we saw, oh, him, good. we saw him show out last or two years ago in, the, uh, in their tournament run, Villanova's tournament run. 
Uh, I'm just excited to see what he can do because mm-hmm. he's a guy that can score in bunches. You know, uh, they call those players like microwave. It's a microwave player. Yeah. Uh, and that's really what they need. Because, Who is the original microwave? Oh, I know this one. He was on the Pistons, the Bad Boy Pistons. Uh, Adrian Danley? Vinny Johnson, and he began his career here in, in Seattle with the okay. Sonics, and he was traded to the Pistons. Now, the one the other interesting, Close. fascinating, <laughs> Milwaukee Bucks are going to be the first team in NBA history to have two sets of what? Oh, uh, uh, brothers. Yeah. Because they've got Robin and Brooke, and they've got they Giannis got Brolo and, and, the, Giannis. and, and Giannis. Yeah, exactly. That's It's going to be a fun team to watch, yeah. for sure. I'm especially excited to see Giannis grow, but depth is going to be a problem for him. Uh, and like you said, their their front court not nearly as talented as their back court. So let's move to number three. We agreed on this one. It's the Boston Celtics. Uh, I'm gonna take a while, so you better go first, and then I'll I'll follow. Okay, up. so um, I'm a Boston hater, um, <laughs> but that but I but I respect their game and I respect their history 100. percent um, I just see the addition by subtraction. I think Kyrie leaving that team is going to make them so superior. Mm-hmm. Um, and I cannot wait to see um, Jason Tatum have a get rid of that sophomore slump. I believe that his ceiling is extremely high. Yeah. Um, and so watching he and Jalen Brown, and I think the addition of Ennis Cantor, if he can remain healthy, um, he gives them a nice inside threat. He cannot play defense, although he did okay in, in the uh, – in the playoffs, um, I'm just excited to watch Kemba Walker, who I think has been one of the most underrated all-stars yes. in, in the NBA in Absolutely. the last five years. He's also, um, Kemba Walker is also a great locker room guy and a great um, addition to any community. He's a, he's, he's a community act, uh, active activist, and he is an um, investor in his community. So I, Boston could very easily move up but I see them solid at three. Yeah, I think three is a good place. I mean, obviously, because that's where I put them as well. <laughs> there's there's just a ton of potential. Like, there's a ton of what if. And that's what people were saying when they had them going to the championship last year. But then it begs the question, what happens when potential doesn't materialize? Right? I think it was John Wooden, like his famous quote, it's like, potential means you just haven't done it yet. Celtics haven't done it yet. There's, I mean, Kemba Walker is a great player. There's question marks. Can he be the best player on a successful team in the playoffs? Because he's been good on the Hornets, but that hasn't led to much. You look at shooting guard, Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown's a fantastic player, but how much of a leap can he can he be? Like, is he really a two-way player, or is he a defensive player with some bounce, with some athleticism? Jason Tatum, a lot of question marks. Will he grow into the player that we saw his rookie year, you know, dunking on LeBron in a Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals, which they're, they're minutes away. They were minutes away from, from going to the finals themselves, missing Gordon Hayward and, and Kyrie Irving. Gordon Hayward's another big question. We saw it took a while for Paul George to come back to form after he broke his leg, a similar injury that Gordon Hayward had. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think if there's some that combination of the four, if they show positive growth, even two or three of them show positive growth in the right direction, they're a, they're a threat. They're a, they're a really good team. But not just individually. I think if they can yes, grow together and, mm-hmm. and they have such complementary skills, um, that that has me really excited mm-hmm. um, with them. So the, the problem that we really come down to, because obviously we know what these guys are capable of, but the real question mark in the hole is going to be at the big, because we traded away. Uh, Aaron Baines to make cap space, fantastic defender. We traded, or we we uh, couldn't re-sign Al Horford, who is really a do-it-all glue guy that we've talked mm-hmm. about. 
So now we're left with a combination. So Rob Williams, the guy we drafted last year, fantastic defender, shot blocker, can really do it all defensively, not so much offensively. Then you've got Ennis Cantor, who you talked about, fantastic offensive player, showed potential for defense, but still has a lot to grow. But he's a good passer. Yes. He's a very good he's, passer. He's a fantastic and offensive player. he's a player. great locker room guy. Mm-hmm. And, but then, and then you've got Daniel Tice, a guy who's good, not great at either. So it's really going to be a difficulty. I think that's going to be the toughest position battle. See who can grow the most, who can expand their game and be a valuable tool uh, for the Celtics. I think right now, if I'm Brad Stevens, I don't know if this is going to happen, but I would start Tice because mm-hmm. he's he's a, a decent offensive player. He can shoot the three, which is valuable to spread the floor, and he can hold his own defensively. Uh, but there's a lot of depth, a lot of rookies. I mean, obviously, Taco Fall, we signed him to a two-way <laughs> contract who's become just beloved by literally everybody. Uh, Carson Edwards, who I'm really high on, I'm excited for him uh, to be Kemba's backup because it's, it's a similar situation. And also Tremont Waters. Uh, oh, who, yeah. Who, so we've got three point guards who are six foot or shorter, but they're in- incredibly gifted. Uh, there's a lot to be excited about for Celtics fans. There's a lot to be wary of. But I think this position being underrated is right where Brad Stevens wants to be. Yep. And let's not and and let's not forget the the playoffs where Kyrie was down mm-hmm. and the Celtics came with just within a hair of yes. making the finals. Mm-hmm. So there's some trust. To, there's some love to be having that. Yeah. All right. Let's let's keep it moving here. We've got who do you have at four? You have the Raptors at four. Got the Raptors at All right, four. Let's go Raptors at four. I had them at five. So okay. we're 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 a little we're bit pretty different good there. Here, I, I want to watch OG. Okay. I want to watch yes. the OG Ananubi. I think uh, without Kyrie there, he's going to fill in and, and do some nice things. So mm-hmm. we have them at four. Um, who'd you have at four? The the I had the Pacers. Okay. At four Pacers. So for the Raptors. It's going to be tough without Kawhi, yep. for sure. Uh, I'm excited to see Fred Van Vliet, though. Yes. He was a big piece. I remember you called it on the, the the podcast that we did for the NBA Finals last year that him and Kyle Lowry were going to be integral pieces to them winning. Uh, and Van Vliet showed out in a big way. But I want to see him carried over to the regular season because yep. now without Kawhi, it's a lot tougher. And I think Kyle Lowry, I think the, to- the clock is ticking on him. I don't mm. think he has a much left in the tank. Mm. Um and so I think Fred's going to get a lot of PT. And yeah. so it's time for him to step up. All right. So we've got then – did you do – you went Nets at five? I went Nets at five. Okay. Um, so I had Nets at six. But So we're, we're close there. We're in the same – we're in the ballpark yeah. here. And watched out for Tari and Prince. Yes. I was a big fan of that move. I He's one of those guys that whenever I play 2K, I instantly try to trade for. Yeah. You know, if, if I'm playing the, the my league just because he's, you know, a fantastic player, two-way guy. Uh, and a potential contract. and a, a potential triple double. So for fantasy players, mm-hmm. he's great. I just uh, picked him up on waivers oh, in our keeper league, and go. of course I made sure I drafted him in our in our regular league mm-hmm. too. So yeah. he's always he's been a rabbit's foot for me. So maybe there's a little bit of fantasy bias there. The reason the reason I have the Nets lower is because obviously uh, Kevin Durant isn't playing this year, mm-hmm. and Kyrie Irving can't be the guy on a team. I yeah. think we've come to assume that, like we've seen. Him, you know, with the Celtics, he's not an experienced leader. He's almost a locker room cancer, questionably. Uh, and it's going to be interesting to watch how him and Kevin Durant interact because uh, it, it's going to go really good or it's going to go really bad. I don't think there's going to be an in-between of, like, uh, you know, it's oh, it's all right. Like, it's going to be uh, oh, yeah. a firestorm for the media or it's going to be they're going to win three championships for the Nets. Right. And, that, and so the Nets, uh, we have a 
and we will get there eventually, but the Nets are Houston Rockets East. Mm. <laughs> Interesting. I like the I like Brooklyn because I love Jared Allen. Yes. And I really love Spencer Denwitty. Mm. He is a dark horse for six man of the year. I, I agree. I and think so. I he is another great fantasy pickup. Um, <laughs> but he can also light it up and uh, he does some wonderful things on defense occasionally. Indiana um, I'm still the reason I have them lower than Brooklyn is I'm still worried about Oladipo when he yes. comes back. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love the pickup of Jeremy Lamb. I think mm-hmm. getting him out of Charlotte is going to have a wonderful psychological effect on his game. Um, so I, yeah, I th- I think the Pacers, I wouldn't put them that high. I wouldn't put them at four if they didn't play as well as they did last mm-hmm. year, and they didn't really show that they were a good team. I mean, obviously missing Oladipo, that's your all-star, that's your your number one guy. That's going to hurt for sure, but they did a really good job of keeping keeping it afloat. I mean, you've got a solid core, young core of Sabonis, Miles Turner, and now getting Brogdon as well is a big piece that's to That's a huge that, piece. to that offense yeah. go. And I love that Twin Towers of, yes. of, of, of Sabo and, and uh, who's the, the big guy? The uh, Miles Turner. Miles Turner. Yeah. Sabo and Turner are a wonderful mix, so. All right, so who, who do you have at seven? Seven is Miami. Okay, all right. Um, Butler is going to make a big difference, and I know I'm going to get uh, excoriated for this, but I think the I, I think Myers Leonard is going to have a decent year. Not an all-star year, not a memorable year, but a better year than he had in Portland, which isn't saying much. It's a low bar, but he's been doing great in the preseason. Preseason, you can tell nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I really like what Butler's going to bring to that team. Um, I think losing Josh Richardson is going to really hurt them. Yeah, um, Losing uh, Johnson is going to hurt them as well. Um, but I think the addition of Tyler Hero and Jimmy Butler is going to be a great backcourt. So, And if Justice Winslow can have something of a consistent season, that's going to help him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, the thing is, I mean, obviously, like, Hassan Whiteside is gone, but he really wasn't playing that much at that point. It just feels like the teams around them in the East – have gotten better mm-hmm. and they have but not at the same level right because there's not there's not a solid young core I mean obviously it's a lot of like Justice Winslow Tyler Hero we'll see how those guys do but Jimmy Butler is better when he can essentially play with with no fear right right and playing for the 76ers you had two really three really good all-star caliber guys to play with which allowed him to play with no fear but now was he have Goran Dragic? Like that's his that's his number two. And Goran's what forty? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he at least looks it. Yeah. Uh, there's there's going to be some concern because we're going to see Jimmy Butler turn into a guy who's fantastic defender. We know that, but offensively, it's high volume, low production for him. That's right. what it feels like. He shows up in big moments, but he'll go eight for thirty. You know, yep. he'll make oh, the yeah. game winning three, but he'll miss the ten before that. And he has a tendency when he gets frustrated to go right into ISO ball. Yes, which he's not he's not talented enough. To no. be able to do that, which which is why I had them missing the playoffs. I had them right there at the nine seed, but I think there are teams that are better, and that that will eventually pass. And them I up. think, and I think we'd both be in agreement that there's a, and we can you know we can pick and and choose between and and debate back and forth between those last seven, eight, those spots. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a huge disparity between six and seven. In yes. The East. Oh yeah, because that that's the difference. I think. Six will be four or five games above 500. Seven will be below. Yep. Same as last year. Uh, so, wait, who do you have at the eight? Let's, let's have, go your eight. I have Detroit. That's right, Detroit. Okay, I've got them at the seven. So, both have them in the playoffs. Yeah, we have them in the playoffs. I want to look for a, a rookie from Oregon, uh, Lewis King, at forward. He's um, right. He's going to be coming off the bench, and if he can, 
if he can pick, he, he's got some great closeout defensive skills, mm -hmm. and he's a great passer. And I think um, it'd be fun to watch him uh, paired with Blake Griffin. So, if if this were like the '80s, the Pistons would be oh, the favorite. They'd be by they far and away. The, they they'd be the favorite for sure in in the East. They have one three point shooter. Yeah, Blake. It, <laughs> it's I like the combo of Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond. Uh, as well as Reggie Jackson and Derrick Rose. I think those are – it's a fantastic piece, but, but it's – But only if you have a DeLorean. Yeah, exactly. That takes it's, you back in time, yeah. Th like, they're, they're a, a talented team, but they're not talented in the ways that makes you win, uh, which is – I mean, I think they're going to make the playoffs. I have them at seven. And they're not fun to watch, I have no, to admit. Mm -mm. Uh, <laughs> it was – it was kind of a, a, a death sentence sending Blake Griffin <laughs> to the Detroit Pistons. It was. Because for both. He's made a lot of improvements to his game. And he's, you know, he's not the high flying Blake Griffin that he was anymore, but he's a talented, can score off the dribble, can shoot threes, and a type great of player. passer. There if if the Pistons aren't, you know, making it this year, why not explore trades for Blake Griffin? Mm -hmm. I think he could get you a haul. He could get you a solid player and a bunch of draft picks, which is exactly what the Pistons probably will be looking for if, if we're wrong and they don't make the playoffs yeah. my eight seed is the bulls which you didn't even mention them in your honorable mentions so let's talk about them for a second why, why did you not have them even close to i don't the find playoffs? them deep and i find the um i find a big problem with their coach i i don't okay. think their, mm -hmm. their their coach communicates well there will be a coaching change in chicago before the all-star break that's a hot take i think i think the reason why i have them going is just because there's there's a lot of young talent, and it's talent enough that where, yes, it won't win in the West, but it could win in the East. Because remember, the eight seed is going to be six games below 500 potentially. Uh, and I really like the addition of Kobe White. I think it gives them a solid point guard. Mm -hmm. I wish Chris Dunn would have worked out and they could have spent that draft pick in another position. But, I mean, you have to do what you have to do. Zach Levine is a star. I think this year he'll be an all-star uh, just because of his talent production. Mm -hmm. Uh, and now he's not going to have to play point guard because they've got Kobe White, which he's a more natural off-the-dribble two-guard anyways. And they have a wonderful modern big guy in Wendell Carter Jr. Yes, Wendell Carter Jr. Uh, is going to be a fantastic piece, and Laurie Markkinen. Laurie is amazing. Now, he is Luka Doncic each, East, yes. potentially. Mm, I, I think definitely like from a, on a smaller scale, but I, I do agree with that. And I think their uh, pickup of Thomas Sadoransky this year, who was, people were saying, the best backup point guard in the NBA last year when John Wall was out. So they got a, a decent a, a decent group of point guards, and if Chris Dunn makes the leap that, you know, we're expecting him to, then it's going to be a fun, it's going to be a fun point guard group, as well as Otto Porter. So they've got a lot of pieces there. Uh, I, d I don't think it wins, and, you know, I don't think it even wins a game in the playoffs, because like we said, there's a big discrepancy between the six and the yeah. seven. But they're an exciting team to watch. They will, now, they, now it's, it's sad because they are, for me, I will agree with you that they're an exciting team to watch. They're far more exciting than Detroit. Mm -hmm. But I just, I, I think Detroit's age and experience is going to carry them further. All right, so let's touch on our three honorable mention teams. Let's start off with the Magic because we've got them in there. Uh, the Magic are okay. Yeah. Like, that's just really what What are the Magic? I, I don't know. <laughs> I just, you have Markel Fultz who, you know, we're all hoping that he can return to that number one pick that w many people expect mm -hmm. him to be. Um, early returns on his shooting form, though, it doesn't look like it doesn't look like it's it's changed. Now, whether, you know, if it goes in, fantastic. But 
It's it just looks like it doesn't it, have to be pretty. It just it feels at this point like psychological. Like it's not an injury thing anymore. It's just like he doesn't believe that he's good enough to be in the NBA. I don't it's gonna be interesting to see, you know, ten, fifteen years from now when the thirty for thirty comes out on what really happened in these first few years. I mean, I'm hoping he can turn around and it's gonna be a fantastic story where he's an all star and I'm sure the magic are too. But they're just missing a lot of pieces. They have a lot of bigs. They're almost like Philadelphia in that they have bigs, but none of them but glue. Not, but they don't good. glue together. Yeah. I mean, what is who? What is Mo Bamba? Yeah. But he's worth watching. He Absolutely. He's worth watching. Um, so he's your Taco Fall. Yeah, he really is. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, he's definitely a skilled player. Yeah. And I think there's I think a lot of there's player. a lot of room yeah. for him to grow for sure. Uh, but Aaron Gordon too. I mean, he's he's a big and he's a piece. Aaron Gordon will be moving by All Star. I, I I mean I'm glad they re-signed Vucevic because I think he's also a piece. I think they need to trade both those guys because it's not. I mean it got to the playoff last year. It won a game. Yeah. But it's not going to happen again. No. Uh, you can't rely on DJ Augustine to to be your primary ball handler and in no. for that to win games. Uh, let's go ahead and talk about the last few here. We'll take a break and then we'll jump to the West. So. The Hawks. We both mentioned the Hawks. Love the I Hawks. I love the Hawks. Love them. Fantastic. They're Just, not going to win a game. The starting the starting <laughs> five is going to be fun. I'm going to play them on 2K for sure. <laughs> and I don't see why in four or five years they're top of the East. Because you look at it, yes. you've got Trey Young, Kevin Herter, DeAndre Hunter, Cam Reddish, John Collins. John Collins is a beast. I'm ready to watch him make a lot of steps. Like you said, not a lot of wins. But it's going to be super exciting. Like this is this is the definition of a modern NBA team. Now, who would think that the following sentence would come out of our mouths? A great NBA league pass game, the <laughs> Sacramento Kings and the Atlanta Hawks. Oh, definitely. That's going to be up and down. Definitely. That's going to be that's going to be like Denver Nuggets circa 1986. Mm. I mean, it's it, that's going to be if you're an offense fan of offense and you're a fan of young talent. In fact. Here's a hot take. Five years, okay. Sacramento and Atlanta, they might be competing for the title. Interesting. Okay, well, we'll, we'll mark it down. We'll clip <laughs> this part of the podcast Highly out, possible. And then we'll bring it back in five years and Do say, it. look, John Highly right. possible. Highly possible. And also, that's the thing. You mentioned Young. Two years ago, you'd have been like, what are you talking about? Yeah. That's crazy. But they've really done a good job, even the Kings after uh, DeMarcus Cousins. Uh, but it's a fun team. Offensively, not going to win a lot of games. Have to clean some stuff up, but good team, good league pass. Even team for sure. I could score on Trey Young. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, do you have any more on your honorable mention list? No, I think that's a, that's uh, it. Yeah, I could be really hot take and say you know maybe Charlotte wins one more game than we think they're going to, but no. I mean, but that would just put them at fourteen on the year. So oh, I yeah, don't. <laughs> they're gonna they're they're gonna be lucky to get nine. All right, so let's go ahead and take a quick break, and then we're gonna hit the teams in the West. Sounds good. And we are back and ready to tackle the wide-open mess that is the Western Conference. Really, any team that I've written down could win could win the title. I think there's a chance that they do. Uh, so let's go ahead and go. So I'll start with mine. I'll, I'll tell mine let's in do order, it. and then, then you can tell yours, and then we'll go from there. So number one, I've got the Clippers. Number two is the Nuggets. Three is Lakers. Four <laughs> is Rockets. Five is Blazers. Six is Warriors. Seven Jazz and eight Spurs. Beautiful. 
Okay, here's what's kind of funny. Now, we have not collaborated. No, we haven't seen Eight this ahead of time. Eight are the Spurs. Okay, yeah. Okay, seven is Portland. All right. Six is Golden State. Five is Houston. Four are the Lakers. Three is Utah. Now, here's where it's going to get fun. Okay. Two are the Clippers, and one is Denver. All right, okay, so similarities there, but the one is the Jazz. You've got them three. I've got them seven. I think that's that's the furthest we've differentiated. That's the biggest besides, differentiation. Besides the Bulls not even being in your honorable mentions yeah. list, which I hope they prove you wrong this year. But Now, it's going to be tight, and I'm going to be really honest. Let's just say those first five, mm-hmm. whoever it is in the five, I think a game. We're looking at a game, maybe two yeah. separates mm-hmm. one from five. Yes. Yeah, it's going to be. That's how it was, I think, last year, too. It yeah. was similarly uh, in that in that regard. But let's go ahead and start from the top. So number one, I've got the Clippers. Fantastic move by them this offseason. The only problem you really have with it is you're going all in on two years, essentially, because the way that they structured their contracts, after two years, it's a player option, and you could have wasted the rest of your, essentially, your your draft capital on these next two years. Granted, they win a championship, and they don't, and Kawhi and Paul George leave. doesn't matter. It was worth it. It was completely worthwhile. But if you don't, that's going to be a problem because in the, and they leave. I don't know the the. But where do they leave to? That's what I want to know. Mm-hmm. Is if they do leave, where are they going? Because they're in where they, they they're in the city that was their ultimate destination anyway. That's true. Yeah, one team I can think of. Don't say the Lakers. No, the the New York Knicks. No, so no one's going to the Knicks. Here's the thing. So. Early reports from the China fallout estimate that the NBA salary cap is going to be dropping by 15%. Right. Mm-hmm. The Knicks now look like the smartest organization in all of basketball signing their players. That did to not one just come lines. out of your mouth. No one can say the Knicks and the smartest organization in the oh, NBA. But they did it accidentally. They didn't know this was going to happen. It wasn't, exactly. it wasn't them. But they're not going to capital. Go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, there's, there's a potential where – Maybe James Dolan sells the team. They take the Nets approach in while they suck, putting a lot of money into their infrastructure, becoming a very health conscious organization and where it's, wow, the Knicks are a place I want to play for because that's all they can do. Focus on now. The Nets did it perfectly. Mm-hmm. There are two ways to tank, really. Uh, you know, you can be you can be bad. And I mean, if you don't have your draft picks, that sucks. But they spent a lot of time putting their money into making it an organization they want to play for. And they somehow built around that way. Obviously, the other way is tanking, getting a lot of draft picks, building a team from there. Uh, that's that's the only team I can think of. I mean, unless something splits, you know, and they, they don't get along well and one leaves, the other stays. And I love your take. And your take is awesome. But that's all contingent on one thing, and that's James Dolan having the temerity to sell the team yes. and the wisdom to sell the team. As long as James Dolan is on the team, there will not be any superstars that come to the Knicks. And – Forever, until he's done, until, until he's, he until he passes on, until he's hanging out with Paul Allen. Exactly. Yes. So let's talk Clippers. What do you what do you got for the Clippers? So the Clippers are number two, um, and I absolutely think that ultimately, it obviously we all want that War of L.A. We mm-hmm. want that playoff yes. series. We want a seven game series where just every game's a easy, home game easy travel yeah all you have is uh, those guys coming out and changing the folks coming out and changing the uh, the floor each night and changing the lighting um 
I really like the Clippers. I am. I do think the reason I have them number two, though, mm-hmm. uh, through through the regular season, is because I think load management is going to have an effect on their win total okay. during the season. Yeah. That's the only reason they're number two. See, and the reason why I have the Lakers at three is because of that problem. Okay. But I think the Clippers make up for it in the amount of depth they have. I see. Which is why I've got them at number one. But let's move on to number two. Your number one, my number two, the Denver Nuggets. You already mentioned the best trio, in your opinion, in the NBA, and a league now that is a duo league, which is great for them, fantastic. Uh, one guy I'm looking out for, and maybe their, their success may be predicated on his ability, is Michael Porter Jr. I have Michael Porter Jr. <laughs> right there. He is the he is the figure to yes. watch. On, yes. If he is healthy, now there's a lot of rumors going around. And, and by the way, I think the Nuggets are arguably the deepest next to the Clippers, the deepest team in the West. Mm. Um, I Paul Millsap is okay. Paul Millsap, Al Horford, Draymond Green. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Paul Millsap is yeah. That's another guy right there. And the Blazers can't stop Paul Millsap, yeah. for instance. I mean, he is an ultimate. But um, Michael Porter Jr. is. If he is healthy and he can have a strong game, there are rumors about in the league that he might become part of a package for a Bradley Beal, a oh, Bradley Beal switch. That is intriguing. Uh, which is incredibly intriguing. Should Bradley Beal join the, the Nuggets, goodbye Clippers. Yeah. That, yep. is a, that would be a um, – and obviously Gary Harris or Jamal Murray would have to be involved in that as well. Mm-hmm. And unless, they can, unless they can somehow convince him to take Paul Millsap because from a salary – yeah. From a salary cap standpoint, that it would have, have to, to be, have to be that. something like that. Which, that's that's interesting to see because Michael Porter Jr. was the guy coming out, you know, into his into his the 2018 NBA draft. But then an injury had him drop to drop to the Nuggets, and they got they got Bull Bull too. Yes, because of that, because but he Bull dropped Bull's far. Not gonna, he's not, yeah, he's he never going to play. Oh, <laughs> um, I, there's a, there's a chance. There's a chance <laughs> he'll get a few minutes. It's not here happening. Um, by the way, who are you watching on the Clippers besides the obvious? Oh, besides, okay. Uh, the one guy I want to see is Landry Shamit. Okay, no way. Look right that's, there. That's fantastic, I've Landry that, Shamit. Wow. He is proof that the clip uh, that the Clippers actually won in that trade with mm-hmm. Philadelphia. Yep. Philadelphia's going to wish, even though I have them coming out of the East, I have them at number one in terms of the seating. They're going to miss Landry Shamit. Yeah, well, I mean, from a three-point shooter standpoint, fantastic. I don't, I doesn't, it just doesn't make sense. Like the 76ers are trying to play in the 80s, which I mean, I still think they're going to the finals. But it's like uh, you yes. could have done yourselves a favor and you know worked up a better trade. And who's to get defending this way. the who's defending the three for Philadelphia? Exactly. Well, not Landry. Sh- I mean, yep. obviously Al Horford can. Mm-hmm. Yes. But he's a little slower. Yeah, you, I mean, you can't rely on him as a prime. Like he's your go-to stopper in the playoffs. But game in and game out, he's not going to be able to. He doesn't. He's not as young as he used to be. Landry uh, Shamit is uh, along with uh, Lou Williams and, and you know Montrez Harrell. Those are guys I want to watch. The other one is Zubac. Yes, Zubac is. They're they're so they're so deep. You know they gave up a ton to get Paul George, but even with. I mean, I'm disappointed Shea Gill just had to go because I love Shea Gill Alexander. He's wonderful. And Danilo Gallinari, Gallinari is a fantastic player. But obviously, you have to you had to give him up to get Paul George. But they're still nine deep, and this is a team that plays really well together. Like I don't think it's going to be an issue at all with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George in there because, uh, you know, you, Lou Will loves coming off the bench. He prefers coming off the bench. Montrezl Harrell and Zubac are 
you know they don't the, have to have the ball to be happy yes they'll yeah. go get it mm-hmm. it's it's a it's gonna be a fun team to watch like from top to bottom just organizational wise chemistry wise they're the best team in the nba yes now does that translate to an nba championship this year maybe possibly all right let's keep it moving yeah good the lakers who i've got it three you've got it four me putting the Lakers at three isn't a slight to the talent that they have, but it's just the way they're going to play. Right. LeBron is always going to save himself for the playoffs, and the West is so good right now that if he takes 20 games off, they're going to lose. It's just a matter like it's just a simple fact. Now he's going to turn on the playoffs, and I can see the the Lakers getting to the the Western Conference Finals. Granted, if the chemistry does work out between the t- between the entire team, but three is three is best case scenario yes i think just because of that lebron's going to be taking games off they're going to run through ad there's going to be some some kinks that they need to work out but what have you got for and the that Lakers? is my that is my argument for why there will be four is because the uh, because of the the taking time off during the regular season that's mm-hmm. why i have the clippers and the lakers doing that um and and not succeeding as much as utah is utah's three because they're going to be a regular season team mm-hmm. we're going to have to wait and see what happens in the playoffs yeah remember we're talking point. seedings that's a good we're not point. talking about what's going to happen in the playoffs mm-hmm. that'll be a little bit later um and the the lakers are going to have to load manage yes they're going to have to load manage and so ad and lebron aren't going to be playing in charlotte mm-hmm. sorry charlotte fans they're not going to be playing in new york they might be because yeah. it is new york but if they're smart, they won't. Yeah, uh, they may not be playing in Orlando, right? Well, I think at least like they will play in those games because you take away LeBron and AD, you've got Kyle Kuzma and Danny Green, Rondo. Like they, they're, they're, there's no game where they'll both take off because I guarantee they're the most susceptible team in the league without LeBron or AD. Agreed. Agreed, but they they're gonna have to yeah. they're gonna have to make a they'll, call. They'll at least space it out. And for I sure. really am worried about Frank Vogel as a coach. Mm-hmm. I don't know what he is as a coach. We all know that LeBron is the official coach. Ty Lue, sorry, yeah, um, you didn't really win that championship. <laughs> um, and uh, whereas Utah has a superior coach, and so I think that that's gonna that's gonna play out in the regular season that way. Mm-hmm. Troy Daniels is a player I want to watch on the okay. Lakers. My small forward. my guy that I want to watch is Quinn Cook. Yes. We've seen flashes like him. Uh, when he was on the Warriors. He's looking like a fantastic. But he was he was back behind Livingston and Steph Curry. Right. So now he's really got Rondo, uh, which I think he'll use to learn a lot about the game. And Rondo is never at the place where uh, he's looking to just, you know, he's going to be calling, calling Quinn Cook out. I mean, he did it with Lonzo. He wanted to make Lonzo better. And I think Lonzo benefited from that, from that partnership last year. Yes. But Quinn Cook... It could be really good. Yeah, it, it could. We could be talking about four guys at the end of the year: LeBron, AD, Kuzma, and Quinn Cook. I like that. I like that. Quinn Cook. I'm gonna take out Troy Daniels and put in Cook. I think that that's that's the better player. Now I'm gonna throw this at you. Now okay. come on, we the elephant in the room with the Lakers, Dwight Howard. Yeah. How can you have Rajon Rondo and Dwight Howard in a locker room? Well, I think Dwight Howard. I mean, it, it remains to be seen, but the way they've structured his contract, essentially paying him every day that he shows up to work okay really puts it in his mind like hey look we're paying you now we don't have to pay you tomorrow we say the word and you're gone right he's really on his fourth strike like it's not even third strike anymore (laughs) it's fourth strike like he's somehow given a second chance they have javel mcgee he's who's a talented player they don't need dwight howard 
you know, Dwight Howard can prove himself to be useful, but they don't need him, which puts them in a good situation of saying like, look, you work together, you make it right, or you're gone. It's as simple as that. So that's why I think the Lakers can manage that a lot easier just because he's not on an, infl- an inflated contract. But wouldn't that be a great reality TV series? Is oh, the absolutely. Like Laker locker room with Dwight Howard and Rajon Rondo. Absolutely. That I would, would see that. That would be fantastic. Just Yeah, just put a uh, video recorder in there, just watch their interactions. I'm sure one of them is going to end up dating a Kardashian before the season's <laughs> over. Um, all right, so what about where'd you have Houston? Houston, I had him at four. Okay. So an interesting – an interesting piece to look at, James Harden or Russell Westbrook. I think their duo is going to be successful. Okay. Because Russell, if they utilize it right, if they game plan offensively correctly, this could be a lethal combo. Yes. Because Russell Westbrook doesn't need the ball to be successful. And if they can convince James, like if they can just give the ball to James Harden and convince Russell Westbrook to work without the ball, setting off ball screens, working around, just running, kind of getting his getting his energy out uh, and creating space for, for James Harden. This could be a really good team. It could be potentially the greatest backcourt in the history of the NBA. Yes. Even better than Steph and Clay. The issue I have, again, though, is the if. Mm-hmm. You just said that Russell does not need the ball to be successful. You know that, and I think I know that. Does Russell know that? That, that remains to be seen yeah. because we know the friendship is there. Like we know they're tight, but we've seen a lot of guys who are tight play together and it not work out. Right. So how, what do you have to do to get him to buy in? Because Russell Westbrook, I mean, he comes across as very passionate, very devoted. Does and that, he's a brilliant player. Yes. He's intellectually does, outstanding. But does that mean he's going to be hard-headed? Mm-hmm. We don't know because it's never been an issue. Like he's he's given Paul George the sp- like the space, you know. And last year we saw him play second mm-hmm. fiddle to Paul George when he was having a in a breakout MVP season. But now that it's James Harden, and and now that really Russell Westbrook's going to be lost in a sea of three point shooters, which he's not. I mean, is he is he a hard headed guy, or will he really do whatever it takes to win? I don't know. Yeah, and that that is the the sixty four thousand dollar question. Um, I'm eager to see it work, mm-hmm. not against my team, but yes. I'm eager to yeah. watch it when they're playing other the folks. And then the other big question is, during the regular season, I think it's going to work out fine. And I have them at five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've got um, them at four, so we're, we're right we're, there. We're right about the there. Um, the, again, the other big question is not only can it work, but can it sustain in the playoffs? And both Russell and Harden are going to – they have to have high usage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and can you can the can Houston feel the team without with them both sitting on the bench? Do, are they going to alternate? Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna be really interested to see how the minutes work for both of those guys. Yeah, they definitely both have uh, playoff demons to shake off because mm-hmm. they both. I mean, James Harden's come really close for a number of years to getting to the finals and not able to do it. And Russell Westbrook is a guy who yeah will put up a lot of stats, but if he's the number one guy. You're lucky to make it to the playoffs, but you're also lucky to win a game in the playoffs. Right, right. So that will be interesting. That's going to be really fascinating. So then I have Golden State at six. Okay, I've got them at, I've got them at, I have at six as well actually. Wait, do we we didn't do five yet, did we? Yeah, I have Houston at five. Oh, okay, okay, gotcha. Um, who are you watching on Houston, by the way, besides the obvious? Clint Capella. Yeah, you, there you I, go. And I know that he's obviously has a focal point in the offense, but. 
we've seen big man after big man become obsolete. What is he going to do to show that he's a valuable member to the team? Good. Is he going to pick up a three-point shot? Because we've seen a lot of bigs started starting to shoot corner threes. Will he do that? Like, what? How can he prove to be useful in a team that values a three-point shot above everything else? Beautiful. I've got Austin Rivers because he resurrected his career when he came to Houston, mm-hmm. and depending on how well he can run that second unit, will allow Harden and Westbrook to get that rest that they need. So I'm going to be watching Austin Rivers. He's an excellent defender, but can he really manage the uh, not just the occasional shot, but can he manage that ball? Can he handle that? Mm-hmm. Okay, so Golden State, I've got them at number six. Got them at six as well. Good. Um, I want to be watching Willie Cauley-Stein <sighs> and Marcus. Are you Willie Cauley-Stein, I've got it, I've got it right there. Willie yeah. Cauley-Stein, that's fantastic. Wow. Yeah. We are really we're on the we're, we're, we're on the same page. We're, we're looking a for lot, the same stuff, which is really interesting because yeah. I want to watch. Um, I liked aspects of his game mm. but he's never had a great system he started getting a good system the last year in in uh, Sa- uh, in sacramento but i think he's finally going to be able to work with uh, a really good coach with steve kerr and a great system he's not a great offensive player but he can get you a double double mm. well the interesting thing that i want to see is his work ethic yes because he was talking about previously that uh he there were guys that are getting paid $28 million to play defense. And he's like, yeah, I'm just getting paid $3 million. Like, I don't get paid as much as them, so I don't have to work as hard as them, which is... I think it's a contract year for him, extre- too. Yeah, it is. Which is... Ex- well, this... Because he signed with, with them this year. Yeah. And that's extremely concerning because that uh, invokes a question of passion, right? Like, whether you're getting paid $10 or you're getting paid $10 million, are you going to go out there and give 100%? But who's going to light a fire under his butt better than Draymond Green? Oh, better for sure. Better than Steph Curry. This is the best place for him to be because yes. it's it's a team that needs him but can win without him. Yes. Like, if, if he's a valuable member to the team and can, can prove it on every night and get a double-double, they're going to win a lot of games. Like, they're going to be better with him. If he is at his best – they're a fantastic team to watch and an intriguing piece, especially when Clay Thompson and comes back. And he can go up against Jokic. Mm-hmm. He's far more athletic than Jokic, and he can get in Jokic's face and disrupt a lot of those passing lanes. So He's he's an upgrade over JaVale McGee. He's yes. a JaVale McGee plus. Yes, as is potentially Marcus Chris. Okay, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are they're, they're two of the same player, and I think they're, they're playing for the same thing. So that's going to be awesome to watch them both. All right, I've got Portland at seven. Yeah, so I had Portland at five. Interesting team, very intriguing, because the reason I have them at five is because of that chemistry thing. Like, all the main pieces are still there together, so there's not going to be anything to work out or any problems that they really have to focus on. It's just more of like, this is how we played. Fantastic, it's on white side, let's keep it going. Yeah, Um, I do have Zach Collins listed, but I also want to mention Kent Bazemore was was my Mm – (coughs) <coughs> Excuse me. One of my favorite pickups of the offseason for any team. My my guy to look out for is a guy who I was big on uh, when he went into college because I'm a UNC fan. Uh, but he kind of dropped a little bit. But Nasir Little, I think this has potential to be a massive steal for the Blazers, getting him at 25. There's a lot of things he can do. He's athletic. He's long. He's you know he can be a great defender. Mm-hmm. But there were problems. Uh, I, honestly, it's arguable that he could have stayed at, at UNC for another year under Roy Williams, but he left, did what he had to do. But there's so much room to grow. There's a reason he was a top five 
prospect going into into college. And in some and in some boards, he was number one going yeah. into college. Mm-hmm. Um, he, I like that. I like your take on that. I don't see him being anything for about another two years, two three years. Mm-hmm. And Portland does have a very good track record of nurturing young talent. And so hopefully that will pay off with him. No, I love that draft choice. Yeah, yeah. at 25, it's fantastic value. A seven-foot wingspan at a 6'6". Yeah, on paper, he's a fantastic prospect. And he's, uh, and he's I think he's a great locker room guy and a good character guy. So mm-hmm. He just has some stuff. I think it's just like he's just young. Like that's really what it comes down to. Uh, and when he's starting, when he's able to understand concepts and – you know, be a better player. It like it, there's he's going to be a very good player. Yeah, he needs to learn to shave. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he needs, needs to learn to shave. That's yeah. that's it. We're locking that one in. Locking for sure. it in. All right, so let's keep it moving. So this we had some discrepancy here. Seven. I had the Jazz. You had the Jazz all the way at three. Yeah. So you talked about the Jazz a little bit. Uh, I thought it was a fantastic move bringing Mike Conley in. Uh, Donovan Mitchell has a lot of room to grow, and he doesn't have to be the ball handler. Uh, a lot of that can go to Mike Conley. Rudy Gobert is he's one of those guys essentially that's proving his value as a mm-hmm. center. So even though it's an outdated position, he's the best. And the best is pretty good. <laughs> I, I guess is the way the best I think way. I'll live and, with I'll uh, live with the, the best, best center is pretty good because yeah. he's blocking shots, he's a, a force in the paint. He He can hit free throws. He can hit free throws. Uh, I I mean I'd love to see him work on a three-point shot. I'm sure that's in this future somewhere. Yeah. Has to be, you know, or else, some reps. or else the best center in the league that can't shoot threes is going to be gone, yeah. you know, in the next three years. What are your thoughts on the Jazz so far? So I, everything you just said, plus the pickup of Bojan uh, Bogdanovic, I think is going to be massive. I love the combination. I think the the combination of Conley and um, Mitchell in the backcourt is going to be one of the best backcourts in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, I really have wanted to see Mitchell without the ball. I want to. See, I, I, he can play well with the ball, but I think he's a better off-ball player. And Mitchell, uh, not Mitchell, rather, but um, Conley will will be able to take over that team. It's the first time that Conley's had a real strong athletic team around him. He's had good teams, and he's a great leader. Mm. Uh, what he did in Memphis was amazing over all those years. But now he's got some legitimate athletes around him. Um, and so I just see them being a lot stronger during the regular season. Yeah, and I mean, as, as far as value goes, now is the time to build your team. Because Donovan Mitchell's on the rookie deal, you've got max slots open, yeah. uh, which they've done a fantastic job of doing. I agree. I think they will be a good regular season team, but seventh in the West is still winning 50 games. Oh, yeah. Right? And so it'll be interesting to see what they do in the playoffs, uh, but Jazz are good. A great move. Uh, for them, let's move to or who'd you have for seven? Who are you? Who'd you have seven, seven was Portland. Oh, seven was Portland. Okay, yeah. so let's move to eight. We both have the Spurs. Uh, first things first. Two guys I want to look out for. One guy uh, had big hype going to last year towards ACL. Dejounte Murray, yeah. uh, which I'm excited to see what he can do. But they have also got Derek White and Bryn Forbes. So that's a good point guard. And room they right picked there. up Trey Lyles. That's that's who I was me? going. Trey Lyles. You got Trey Lyles I, right there. I. I We're love, doing a high five. I right love now. Trey Lyles. I love, love Trey Lyles. He just needs to be in the right system. And who? What better system for Trey Lyles than Popovich? Mm-hmm. It's I. I picked him up on my fantasy team numerous times over the last two years. When when uh, when Paul Millsap went out, he's proved that he's a, a good player. And I'm surprised no one's talking about. It. Like I didn't actually know until we were. I was doing research for it that he signed with the Spurs. Mm-hmm. I just assumed he was still on Nuggets. No one is talking about Trey Lyles, and he 
could be an integral piece to this and he's first not, team. Now, in terms of fantasy, he's not going to give you big no, stats, no. but mm -hmm. he's going to really help your field goal percentage and your free throw percentage, yes. and he's never going to turn it over. And he tries to shoot threes. Yeah. He's not. He's about like a 25% three-point shooter, but he's putting up two, three a game. So yeah. that's going to come around. I mean, just just happens and in with pop in -game system, reps. he's going to get good looks, good yes. solid looks. Yes, the Spurs. Honestly, when it comes down to it, the reason I have them making the playoffs is because it's the Spurs. It's Greg Popovich. Somehow they're going to find some way to make it in over these these next three teams. Who I've got his if Murray's mentions. back at at ninety percent of where he was before he went down, they're they're set. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. All right, so let's go into our honorable mentions <laughs> here. Oh, uh, what are your three that you've got? Okay, these. Two of these, one of these, the first one could very easily get into the playoffs, mm. and that's Dallas. Okay. The Dallas Mavericks, um, they're they're going to be a fun team to watch. They're also a league pass. Yeah, I, I've got them. I've got them on my list as well. I think the only problem is we don't know how they'll do. We don't know how well Porzingis is going to recover right. from injury. But Luke is a fantastic player. What what which is what you know what he've already he's already shown. This is a team two three years for sure. They're yes. gonna, we're going to be talking about them a lot. Um, I got Minnesota. Okay. Potentially. Okay. Um, Minnesota is they're they're always vacillating between dumpster fire or wildfire. I mean, it can go either way. Carl uh, Anthony Towns is an amazing player, probably the third best big guy in the mm -hmm. yeah in the in the league. Um, and then I've got, of course, New Orleans. Yeah. Okay. So I've got, I've got the the Kings. And the Pelicans. I think the so well going back first off to your point with with the Timberwolves. I just don't think they're good enough. Like it doesn't matter who they have. And the thing that is interesting to me, Carl Anthony Towns wants to stay in Minnesota, which is concerning because that <laughs> either means he doesn't want to win and he's okay with putting up big stats, or he really isn't that good and he's just a, a product of a team that doesn't have a big direction, he can that's get a, rebounds That's a good take points. because their culture has not borne out mm -hmm. any success. And the fact that he still wants to be there, I mean, no offense to Minnesota Timberwolves mm -hmm. fans, but what like what, what makes him want to stay? Like, is he a big fan of the nightlife in Minnesota? Like, there's no – I mean, sorry, now I'm just defending the entire state of Minnesota. Minnesota's uh, a great state. <laughs> yeah, but it's – Very it's, friendly. It's not enough to, to – I don't know. I don't want to. Okay, well, if we're going to go with that hot take, Minnesota, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Charlotte Hornets are walking uh, walking arguments against expansion. In mm. fact, if those two teams – sorry, Charlotte, sorry, Minnesota, but if those two teams folded mm. and we had a dispersal draft and the team and the league could be 28, um, the league might actually improve. That's, that well, is a good point. If they folded and merged and went to Seattle, that would be wonderful. Yeah, well – I mean, well, let's think about it. So, if let's say those two teams do go down, so Seattle takes one team. Where does the second team come from? They need to disappear. Just well, the, the, what I think would be great is if there's some way that Adam Silver could step in and have them merge into one team, into one team, and have that be the Super Sonics. Ah, I see. But here's the funny thing: even if the if the Hornets and the Timberwolves merged, I still don't think they'd be a playoff team. Even if you took both of them, they still wouldn't make the playoffs. Okay, that's probably true. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the other thing here, let's keep it moving. Pelicans. Very intriguing team. Love this team. Very young. I mean, we mentioned before, they're eight deep of really good young guys. 
but young guys don't win in this league. It's just a fact. No. It's just what happens. I mean, it's going to be maybe next year. Like They're going to sell a lot of tickets and a oh, lot of merchandise. For sure. And here's the thing. We talked about this actually earlier this week on the podcast. What do you think it'll take for Zion to be an all-star this year? Because LeBron wasn't an all-star. Luka wasn't an all-star. They put up big numbers. They're, you mean all-star game? This, this year. Or yeah, all-star what, team? Or the, what do they need to be to be in? Uh, what does he need to do to be Oh, he'll make the all-star. all-star game. You think so? Oh, he'll make the all-star game easily. Just because of marketability? Just because of marketability. Cause, well, because Luka was second in fan voting last year, and he still didn't make it. No. So no it, Zion's making it. All right. They're, and Luca will be making it. Yeah. I tell you, the person who I – the one of the uh, players on New Orleans that I really am in love with is Jackson Hayes. Oh, yep. Watch mm-hmm. him. Yeah. Now, he's not going to have a great rookie year. He's going to be – he's, he's going to – he's about three years away. But three years from now, Jackson Hayes will be starting, and he will be – he'll be in the conversation for all-star team. All right. Well, there you have it. We're just under an hour and a half, but I think that's going to do it for us. Uh, on the episode here john thank you so much for coming well, thank on. you so much for having me jonathan hopefully this was we'll, fun hopefully we'll we'll be able to get you on a little more often talk some nba because it's it's always a good time uh but yeah we're going to be moving to two episodes a week now because we have a ton of nfl and nba content monday's episode will be primarily nfl wednesday's episode will be primarily nba but there'll be a little bit of both sprinkled in so you'll get a, a, a heavy dose of one slight dose of the other Uh, But that's all we've got for this week. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.